0: Just out in 2019, our newly released paperback version of our book, Affordable Interior Design, High-End Tips for Any Budget, has just hit shelves. If you want to learn more about selecting your style, picking the perfect paint colors, choosing a color palette that will wow, then you won't want to miss this book. Plus, it has a whole bunch of pretty pictures. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the shop tab, and you will see our book for $14.99. Additionally, if you purchase it on our website, I will personally sign it for you. And if you use promo code podcast at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order. Head to our website and grab your copy today. High end designer, or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. There is nothing I love more than a rainy day where I have nowhere to be but snuggled up in my office working typing i fling the door open on the storefront we're right here on main street and i feel like i'm in this amazing bubble surrounded by rain and windows and silence silence because nobody walks down Main Street when it pours and uh, it's kind of a magical feeling. I hope that you guys are having a magical day as well and it's so good to be back with you. The mailbag is accumulating letters, which is what I love to see, and I'm going to dive right in. So my first letter has come from Faye and Faye writes, Hi Betsy, like so many others, I love this podcast and started binging from the moment I stumbled upon it. Recently, I've moved from a tiny apartment to our first house, and we are replacing everything so it fits our new space. We didn't have much furniture to begin with. Since you said you could use more questions, I figure I would go ahead and send you three. First, you are clearly the sectional queen, but I haven't heard anyone ask you for your thoughts on cuddler sectionals yet. They seem like they could be a good solution when somebody wants a sectional, but might not have enough space for one. Or they look like they might be awkward and not as comfy as regular sofas. What do you think? Have you ever recommended these before? All right. For those of you who don't know, a cuddler sectional is a sectional that is you know what? I don't even want to call it an L shape. It's more of a J shape. In other words, there's of course the straight long back piece, but then instead of having the short arm or an equidistant arm that juts out at a perpendicular right angle, the cuddler sectional juts out at like a 45 degree angle. So it looks like a little J. It's an angled arm. It's kind of a chunky chaise on a diagonal. It's usually not fully backed. It's usually just got an arm like a chaise. And I do not care for the Cuddler sectional because it's like this freaky, weird wannabe. It's a wannabe chaise sofa. It's a wannabe L-shaped sectional. But it just doesn't get either one done. And typically, Cuddler denotes the fact that it's going to be deep as well. So it winds up really taking up a lot of space. And what are you going to do with that negative space behind the 45-degree arm? What are you going to fill that with? Like some big arcing lamp, a huge plant? It leaves you with more problems than I think it solves. I don't think it's as comfortable or as practical as a conventional L-shaped sofa. Now, the one thing I do like is if you did have, like I do, the Radley sectional from Macy's or a similar sectional, and you have an L shape, so it is a true 45 degree angle. I'm sorry, a true 90-degree angle, excuse me. True 90-degree angle, a true perpendicular sectional. But right where the two arms meet each other, there's a diagonal piece that connects. So rather than it being a sharp right angle inside, it is a like diagonal cutout kind of. So then it allows two people to snuggle on the chaise part or the short arm, if you will. So that's what I have, the Macy sectional. And while it's a little chunky for my taste, but I compromised with my husband, it is so comfortable. And two of us can get on that diagonal centerpiece And use the footrest. Now, by two of us, I don't mean two adults, unfortunately, because that would have to be really deep and wide. We have to remove the back cushion if we want to do that. But me and my son, me and my daughter, we can snuggle. We can read books. We can watch shows. We currently are loving Chopped and the British Baking Show. So we will binge together there. Uh, So there you go. That's my thought on a cuddler sectional. You write your second question is, our kitchen is a cave. It is open to our living room, but hardly any light from the living room or the dining room makes it into the kitchen. We plan on adding windows, but we are not going to do that for a couple of years and it still won't help the kitchen for most of the day. I'd love to hear your suggestions on brightening up dark kitchens or dark rooms in general. I'm currently thinking of painting the walls a a lighter version of whatever we choose to repaint the living room so that the shadow on the kitchen walls will look less dramatic compared with the living room walls. So certainly that's one way to skin this catfey. But I think there's another way that we could solve this problem. The first thing that comes to mind is that you would put a mirror on the wall. Now I have pictures here in front of me and there is a big wall that's perpendicular to the windows. In other words, when you do get natural light, if you put a mirror there on the wall that's getting the reflection from the windows, it will bounce that reflection off and augment it. So you'll get even more natural light from those windows that's bouncing around the room mirrors are such great tools for enhancing light the other thing that you could do is you have a fixture that appears to be above an island and you have another fixture that appears to be above a peninsula These fixtures may not have high enough wattage. You, of course, do not want to max out the recommended wattage that is on the fixture itself. Typically, there is a sticker there that will tell you how much you can put in each socket. Or, of course, you can look back at the web link online to see what the max wattage is, and you do not want to exceed it. But if the max wattage is low then get a different fixture or get a fixture that has more bulbs. Additionally, getting a fixture that has some kind of shade will really help enhance that atmospheric light rather than these exposed bulbs, which provide more direct or harsh light and don't tend to illuminate an entire area. It's more of a spotlight kind of feel. Those would be my recommendations. I would do that even before paint because I'm looking at the paint color you have now and it doesn't really appear to be that dark, you know. And I'd hate for you to just get something really light, really bright because you already have, it appears to be, some white elements in there in terms of white trim, white doors. You don't want everything to look white. Uh, I would rather you use these other solutions first and think about, using the paint as a solution at the end all right your third and final question is Betsy we have three living rooms that connect to each other there is our main living room a sunroom and a front room that is supposed to be a formal living room we open up the wall to the formal living room so that there more light would come into the back living room It is a fantastic plan because we have much more light. I plan to put a couple of chairs in the front room to face the windows. We have a beautiful view of the trees. I'd also like to replace our current sofa in the living room with a small sectional. What I'm afraid of might be a problem is that we also want to put a large sectional in our sunroom where the French doors are in the window. It's a big space and we plan on spending most of our time there when the weather is right. Do you think we're going to have sofa chair overload? Thanks for taking the time to answer my questions and for making such a wonderful podcast, Faye. All right, Faye, so many living rooms, I can't really keep up. And you know, you might want to think about, and I'm sure you've already done this, maybe it just wasn't articulated in the email, but giving each of these rooms a different function. So maybe only one of them has a TV. Maybe one of them has a lot of bookcases, making it feel more like a library. Maybe one of them, you know, has a desk, which can also double as a den or a place where the kids can do their homework. Just even if you have rooms, that are redundant. You don't have to give them redundant functions. You can assign them slightly different functions like this is the living room where we entertain. This is the living room for just the family where we're going to cuddle and watch movies or whatever. I'm sure you have done that, but just in case you hadn't because otherwise it feels like a little bit of a waste of space. That being said, I kind of can't get a sense of rich room is which, but a general note is that I would only have one sectional on each floor, basically. So you definitely wouldn't want a sectional in two of these living rooms. I could see putting a sectional in the basement, a sectional in the family room, having a straight sofa in the living room, and having some recliners or armchairs in that din slash reading room, right? And, you know, I don't typically do more than two chairs per room. Whether they match or not is not really a guideline that I follow or don't. But I just don't want it to become chair mania So two chairs I find is nice in a room that's not obscenely large, Uh, two armchairs that is. Now, you could think about different types of seating like a bench, even though if it's backless, we know that's not a very comfortable option for people over the age of 21. And then you have the sofa option. You could have an ottoman that bops around. There's other options you could do chairs that aren't upholstered. So maybe you have a wooden rocking chair or something that is made of wire so that it shakes it up and you just don't have an upholstered chair showroom. Faye, I hope that helped. It was a little vague, but uh, I think that gives you a general sense of how to use those rooms. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. My next question comes from Matthew. Matthew writes, Hi Betsy, my husband and I just moved into a new apartment out west in Seattle. Our new apartment is a one bedroom with a den. The den essentially being a second bedroom, but with no window. We'll be using it as a reading area office workspace. It is currently stark white with gray baseboard trim and gray closet doors and a natural light carpeting. I want to add some color to this space, but we cannot paint the walls, so we have been looking into peel-and-stick removable wallpaper, either with a pattern or a type that you can paint. Do you have any experience working with products like this? Any tips or tricks? So yes, I have a lot of experience working with removable peel-and-stick wallpaper. I love it. I especially love it for a room like this. Sometimes it's fun when a room doesn't get any natural light. Of course, it's going to be darker, right? And it's fun to just play that up as a strength rather than as a weakness. For instance, it's kind of like when a really tall person wears high heels. Go with it. I mean, just do it. Don't try and pretend you're shorter than you are. Play up this as an attribute right and play up this dark cozy space as an attribute and by putting peel and stick wallpaper on all the walls I think you can really get that done. I have never used peel-and-stick wallpaper that you can paint, but when applying peel-and-stick wallpaper, it does take a knack. You know, the problem with peel-and-stick, just like the problem with any type of wallpaper, is that you can get bubbles, right? You do need to be very patient. You do need to have a deft hand you need to line up the patterns and depending on how complex that pattern is it can be kind of difficult to do you do need to order much more wallpaper than you think you're going to need because depending on the scale or size of each pattern and you can measure the size of the pattern by measuring from the point where it starts to the point where it repeats uh, based on that scale and size in order to get them all to line up you're going to have a lot of waste so always order more than you think you're going to need and be sure that you capture all those bubbles, that you line it up perfectly, that you don't expose the seams by leaving a gap. I have peel and stick wallpaper in my guest bathroom downstairs. And even though I am very... um crafty. I love to do things. I love to take my time. I'm very meticulous with lining things up. It just was something that's not in my wheelhouse. And I outsourced it very affordably to a wallpaper hanger because they love doing peel and stick. It's so much easier than regular wallpaper. I think he charged me a hundred bucks and it was the best hundred bucks I've spent lately. Because I have put up very large murals for people that are peel and stick. In other words, Really oversized decals that basically take up the whole wall. And it takes an afternoon. Let's be clear. All right, let's get to your next question. I want to go dark, moody, and dramatic with the space. Well, you know I'm on board with that, Matthew. But I'm afraid it might be a little too much considering there is no window in the room. Is there anything wrong with using dark colors for a room that has no natural light? We will be using the Leotorp bookcase from IKEA in dark olive green in the space, by the way. Well, you know I love me a good Leotorp. The quality is just there, right? And I do think you could go too dark. In other words, I love the idea of doing dark wallpaper or dark paint, even though it sounds like you can't paint in this space. But maybe then with the furnishings, I might go a little bit lighter. In your inspiration images that you attached, there was a leather chair. Maybe instead of doing a chocolate leather, you do a camel leather. Because what we also want to be thinking about always, always, always is my favorite C word and yours, contrast. When I squint, when I walk into this cozy cave and squint, I still want to see some light elements as well as some dark elements. I don't want it all to be this deep green tone. I would really encourage you to do a camel or light-colored leather chair. I would encourage you to use mirrors in this space, to use lamps that are maybe on full-range dimmers, or you buy those plug-in dimmer switches from Amazon so that each lamp can be on a dimmer. And you really... Play with how much light you want to use, but give yourself some options. For instance, if I was going to put a tray on an end table, maybe I would have it be a mirror tray or maybe something acrylic to keep it light in there. Because when you do have small spaces, you want to make things feel less cluttered. And so if something can be clear, glass, acrylic, it will feel like it's less dense and bulky in the space. So those are a couple of tips, but don't be afraid to go dark. Just make sure you add some light elements as well. That could even be a pattern, right? So if the wallpaper is overall dark, but there's some light spots in the pattern, or if you have overall dark wallpaper and you, of course, leave the ceiling white, or have a pillow that has a lot of pattern that is a lighter tone. I mean, these are all ways that we could help keep the space fresh and not dingy and dark, right? Finally, you write, I may want to use a wallpaper with a subtle pattern. Would it be too overwhelming to use a pattern throughout the whole room? I've loaded a picture of the pattern I'm thinking about. What is the best way to approach patterns into a design? Well, in a small room, I think it is great to either go with a very large pattern or a small pattern. This pattern that you have selected is kind of this geometric diamond pattern with lots of lines. It's a tone on tone. So overall, it reads very dark. And if I was going to squint, it would read all sort of cobalt blue for me. But you can see that the artwork they've chosen in the space, of this inspiration picture has a lot of negative space a lot of white background to it you can see that they've used light wood tones for the futon frame as well as the plant stand this is the exact thing that i was referring to those lighter elements in this darker moodier space So I'm totally fine with you doing a pattern. Just keep in mind, it's going to be a little tricky to line up the pattern when you're applying. So make sure that you don't drink a bottle of wine while you're putting this up. Make sure that you are not in a hurry to get somewhere and that you're able to be patient and take your time. Finally, you write, thanks for your help. P.S. I am really interested in your course. I can't get enough interest. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope you get enough interest to make it a reality. Well, guess what, Matthew? I have gotten enough interest to make it a reality. And within the month, I am going to be... I think I told you guys before, I'm taking a course on how to create a really high-level course because I want to make sure that even though I teach my designers this course, we have an academy, it's all mapped out, it's a month-long intensive program, but I think I'm going to change the format somewhat, uh, and I really want to make this accessible while also being high-level. So I felt if I'm going to create this, if it's going to be the high-level program, that I share with my designers, I need to do it in a really professional way, which is why I'm taking a course on how to teach people in a course and how to create a course. And you will be hearing much more about it. I'm going to be putting some details into these sentences within the next few weeks. So thanks for inquiring, Matthew. All right. My very last question today comes from Alicia. Actually, you know what, Alicia, that's a pretty long question. Let me save that for next week. So Alicia, I hope you're on pins and needles now. I'm going to save that for next week. And instead, I'm going to answer Emily's question. Emily writes, Betsy, what is better for resale purposes, stainless steel or custom paneled appliances? I like stainless steel because you can put magnets on the fridge, but custom panels bring the kitchen together better. But then what if you want to change your look? Perhaps it's not so easy. Do you have thoughts on this, Emily? Of course I have thoughts on this, Emily. Let's get down to it. So first things first, I think there was a fallacy in this email. Many, in fact, I dare to say, most stainless steel appliances do not allow you to put magnets on the front. Most of those surfaces are demagnetized, and rather, you would need to put magnets on the side, which are actually the metal that is magnetized. Now, you know I love that if you're a long-time listener because I hate magnets. They look cluttery. They look kitschy. And not in a good kitchen way. Uh, they look a little craptastic. I am anti-magnet. Rather, in my kitchen, I have a really nice pottery barn bulletin board that I got. We use push pins, We hang things up that way. Or we have these IKEA picture hangers in my kid's playroom where I can hang their artwork, hang their homework projects. But I really like a clean fridge. Now, my husband completely disagrees. And I married someone with a magnet collection, if you can even imagine. It must have been love, people. And it still is. We're still going strong. But he found out that the side of our stainless steel fridge is magnetized. And now we've got a ton of crap on that side. Everything from my son's little league pictures to things made of popsicle sticks. I find it to be really visually offensive but it's just on the side and that's what love is love is compromise so i do have magnets but i will tell you if you're trying to buy a stainless steel fridge just to get magnets you might be um disappointed all right now to your next question about the custom panels. I do not like a kitchen that has a custom paneled fridge for resale, only because some people may not like your cabinet choice. And the custom panels tend to blend or match your cabinets. And if they don't like your cabinet choice, if they're planning on painting your cabinets or something like that, well, you cannot easily paint a paneled fridge. I think it's a detrimental thing for resale value. That being said, if you are going to live in this space for 7 to 10 years, you should do whatever you want because it's going to be out of date no matter when you're ready to resale after 7 to 10 years, no matter your choice, so don't worry about it. In other words, I just helped a client because we offer renovation consultations at Affordable Interior Design. So I met with a client at the cabinet store, and we decided right then and there what finish everything was going to be, what handles, et cetera. And the lady said, paneled fridge or not, my vote is always not because I think it's going to look dated really quickly. But the client really loved the cabinet texture. They did like a gray wash kind of texture, and it was stunning. And let's make their dreams come true. It really makes the fridge less conspicuous, especially if you have a big, bulky, ugly fridge. Well, we don't really want that sticking out like a big stainless sore thumb. But personally for resale, and that's really the question you were asking, I think it's a problem because also if you want to swap the fridge out, if your real estate agent recommends that you change out the appliances for something more upgraded, et cetera, you're going to have a problem. You can't easily swap this fridge out. And I know that when I moved into my space, there was a fridge that was brand new. I'm sure the real estate agent had advised them to get a fridge, stainless steel. I'm sure they probably had a white or even an avocado one before that and it's not to our taste. Like, it's it's very basic. You can obviously tell that they didn't spend a lot of money. We would rather have something with a larger freezer. We want to upgrade a little bit. We'd rather have the two-door, et cetera. And um, so we're going to be switching out our fridge, and I like the fact that I'm not married to this one because of the paneling. Those are my thoughts, Emily. I hope that helps. Go forth. Purchase your appliances with conviction. And keep your questions coming in. I absolutely love receiving them. You can send them to info at Affordable Interior Design. I will catch you next week. Stay dry, everyone. Take your umbrellas. And I'll catch you later. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Katherine Heller